What's up, Winnipeg Jets and Bombers Nation? How are we doing tonight? I know it's a great night to be a Jets fan, especially after this uh, huge win streak that we're on. This is the Winnipeg Terminal Podcast brought to you by Shotgun Sports. I'm Mike. This is my partner, Joe. How are we doing, Joe? Oh, wonderful. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time now. This has been in the works for a little while. We've had the, it used to be called the Winnipeg Hangar, now re, uh, rebranded to the Winnipeg Terminal, of course, encompassing Jets and Bombers news. And we're all under the Shotgun Sports umbrella. And uh, Joe, why don't you go ahead and uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about what this show is going to entail and the different segments that we have. Uh, so, yes. So we have the takeoff, which is happening right now where we're taking off, uh, introducing the topics of the week, hitting a main story. Of course, the main story this week is what is Shotgun Sports all about for our new viewers? Uh, then we're going to be getting to altitude, talking a lot of Jets and Bomber stuff. Um, anything in the news or anything that uh, strikes our fancy that given week. And then, of course, we have the landing where we do something a little bit uh, outside of uh, just straight, strict Jets, Bombers talk. That's usually going to be the more fun segment. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, Joe, I think I'm ready for takeoff. What do you think? I think we're ready. All right, let's take this bad boy off. And uh, first off, I'll kind of explain what Shotgun Sports is. Obviously, this is a new podcast, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Shotgun Sports is something new. started several years ago, and it was just one of those meme pages where we would just take some NHL news or baseball news, football news, whatever have you, and just kind of make little jokes about it. It was a lot of fun. We had some really fire memes out there, of course. And we still make those, by the way, just putting that out there. Uh, but now it's grown a lot beyond that. We have, of course, this podcast. We have the Elks Call, which is a part of the Elks Herd, which is uh, actually affiliated now with the Edmonton Elks. I know that they're the enemy and everything, but it's still kind of cool that we have that with the Shotgun family. Um, but especially in the past year, we've really grown. We've had, uh, we got our own website now. We got our LLC. We, uh, we write all these different stories about uh, things that are going on, mostly centered towards Edmonton sports and uh, Winnipeg sports. But we also have uh, our hands in things across the United States. And Joe, what's a fun little fact about us, even though we're doing a Winnipeg podcast? What's a little fun fact about us? We live five miles away from each other. And we say miles because we're in the U.S. Uh, in a town called Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. We are... We, we've met in person. We're not that far away from each other. And we both even showed up on the show tonight wearing bomber hats and jet shirts. For the dub, right? For the dub. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, now that we've gotten uh, several partnerships, we've gotten, uh, actually, we're Royal Retros, which, Joe, I know you love Royal Retros. We were just talking about it right before the show, about how you want everything on that website. And I know that well, there's probably a lot of our listeners that are going to want a lot of things from that website too. And go ahead and use that promo code of shotgun sports at royalretros.com. Support us and we'll support you. And I think that about does it for, uh, for takeoff. What do you say we uh, reach our cruising altitude? Yeah, let's get, let's get to it. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Yeah. So there is plenty of jets news and first we're just going to acknowledge the elephant in the room now it may not necessarily be the longest win active win streak right now in the nhl but seven games joe seven games seven game win streak and scoring points and more than that so 
Uh, yeah, you thirteen up, games. You get, you get a you get a point or two every night. You're going to have a nice record at the end of the year for sure. And that's kind of why they're sitting alone at the top of the league right now. And uh, even with some of the teams that are chasing them, they have games in hand. And I mean, I think a lot of this, of course, the seven game win streak is a, a ties a franchise record that was back in the 2017 season, uh, that 2016, 2017, from March 26 to April 8th. And I mean, we didn't have the easiest teams. We don't have the easiest schedule either. Of course, Columbus, sure, you can write that one up as a little bit of an easier dub, but uh, still to trounce them five nothing. I mean, you're supposed to beat the easy teams like that. Uh, sure, you know. but then but then that comes after a West Coast swing where they mm-hmm. had three games or three games and four nights out west, and they showed up to, to the third game and ran Arizona out of their own building. Now, mind you, Arizona's building is a little bit smaller, so it might be slightly easier to do that. <laughs> Just about to but, say that. But three games and four nights is never easy at all, especially out of your time zone. And they came out and just and showed and showed who was the better team that night. And not to mention the mentors trip too. Like you know, there's there's a little bit of family time that was uh, with that too. So of course the boys were busy; they got the job done. But also they had time for uh, for their families, their mentors. A lot of them bring their fathers around. You know, it was uh, it's just great to see all the social media posts that, uh, you know, the the Jets media has put out. And it was just they look like they are playing. They're obviously playing the best hockey right now, but they look like they're having fun. They really look like they're enjoying themselves. And I think that's what's keeping this momentum rolling too. what say you. Yeah. And it's a huge difference between the last couple of years, too. You just felt the atmosphere was so stagnant, even when they got off to a hot start last year. You just were mm-hmm. waiting for it not to last, and it certainly didn't. As soon as we hit about this point of the year, it all fell apart. Uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. they built up built up enough uh, enough of a enough of a lead uh, in the playoff race to barely sneak in at the end. But even then, it was clear that things had to change, and boy, did they! Yeah, and you know, one of the the things too that I mean, these rumors and everything they've circulated time and time again while uh, Wheeler was in the locker room. And this is not to discredit him because he did a lot, not just for the franchise, he did a lot for the city of Winnipeg too. Uh, but, you know, something must have happened behind closed doors. There there must have been some sort of truth uh, to a lot of those rumors. A, when uh, Wheeler got stripped of the C, and B, you know, by an amount, and, you know, he's no longer part of the equation look at what's going on in the locker room now. Like I said, they look like they're having a lot of fun. This is reminiscent of that uh, 2018 run. Yeah. And they talk and and chemistry sometimes feels like it gets overblown when you, when you listen to sports reporters talk, but in this case, I don't think that's, I don't think that's it's overblown at all. The players that are in place this year seem to fit together better than the players that were in place last year. That's not to say that Jets didn't lose a bunch of talented players. They replaced them with talented players that also fit what they were doing. And just those changes and making and and picking new franchise cornerstones seem to have turned this from a team that would struggle to struggle and wallow in mediocrity is really where where they were for the last pretty much five years. It, mm-hmm. They just found they found a better a a better way of putting the team together. And it's very clearly shown itself right now. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, 
I mean, it's it's just it's nice to see and kind of lost my train of thought there, of course. But uh, I mean, either way, second best goal differential too behind Vancouver, who I mean, they've obviously got a lot of talent. But honestly, Vancouver has surprised me this year by how yeah. well they've been playing. Yeah, both of these teams were on the on on the list of teams that were struggling last year. And this year they've mm-hmm. seemed to have found a component. Something that really stuck out to me too is how long is a streak where they've given up three goals or, or Winnipeg's given up three goals or less? Is it at 30? That's third. They are literally the sixth team in NHL history to do that. 30 games now of three goals or less. And I'll even one up you on this one, Joe. The last 10 games. They've given up two goals or less. And, I mean, that just kind of goes to talk about our goaltending, too. Now, that's not to discredit the defense. Defense has been unbelievable this year, and especially from what we've had, you know, in years past, where we always say we have that log jam at defense and we have all this great depth. But then on game day, it doesn't look like we have all of that depth. I mean, look at how many shots that we would give up last year as compared to this year. And I mean, obviously, when we have Brossois coming back as literally one of the most solid backups, I mean, Helly and Brossois might arguably be one of the best tandems, if not the best, in the NHL right now. And of course, Brossois not having a shutout just yet. Hellbuck's got two of them. Both of them have a goals against average of 2.3 or less. And both of them have a save percentage of 920 or greater. That's yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like, have it on my bingo card that the Jets would be in play for the Jennings Trophy. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Helly is, you know, we call him Vesna Buck for a reason. He's always in the conversation, at least. Even if he doesn't win it every year, he's always in that conversation. And of course, this year, I mean, 21 wins, you know, he's he's definitely in the conversation again this year. Uh, but there's just something to be said about this goalie tandem. And I, I think, I mean, Riddick was, he had his heyday in Calgary when they called him big save Dave. And then all of a sudden he became no save Dave. And here we are, but you know, it's nice to see a familiar face, uh, come back to Winnipeg. And I'm not talking about Comrie that's happened many of times. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think he has, I think he has a lifetime pass to Winnipeg anytime he's needed. We're talking uh, Comrie or Brossois? Well, Comrie too, but I mean, uh, we'll take Brossois as well, right? Yeah, Comrie, I mean, he's great for the most. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy, he's a very, very nice guy. You know, you want to see him succeed. Uh, it's just like there's just that little bit more that he needs at the NHL level. Definitely has it at the AHL level. Uh, he's just one of those guys that seems to teeter along the line every year. Um but in speaking of talent that was great in Winnipeg, but maybe not so much elsewhere, this is another thing that kind of needed acknowledged. And we see this on Facebook. We see it in all of the, the Jets fan pages and everything. Everybody seems to want to know what Pierre-Luc Dubois is up to. And still to this day, uh, people want to talk about Patrick Lyonet. I think a forgotten piece in Winnipeg that was also a part of the Dubois trade was Jack Roslevic. And, you know, and I, I was looking at their stats, and this is kind of fun to talk about. So, obviously, Dubois getting 
knocked down to the fourth line with a former Jet in uh, Trevor Lewis, but uh, that's beside the point. And there's a little inside joke about them with Carl, but just Carl. And uh, anyways, so Dubois played 37 games. How many goals do you think he's had, Joe? It, it can't be double digits. It is not. Seven goals. How about assists? It's not. It, it's and I, I saw the notes earlier, but I didn't. I didn't. I'm not putting them in front of my face right now. I didn't memorize them. I would say it's got to be less than twenty for sure. I, I was gonna say like this. This wasn't uh, exactly a test, but what it was is just like okay, I see how he's playing, but let's actually find out how he's playing statistically. He has nine assists for a total of sixteen points in thirty-seven games played. And with the kind of money that he's making, Winnipeg dodged a bullet. And first line money, fourth line, fourth line right now, correct? Yeah, fourth line. Goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Where do you fit? Because if you're mm-hmm. not playing with teammates that make you better or with teammates that you can make better, you can make all the money in the world and you're not going to produce. And if, I, I wonder if that's why they chose to move him with Lewis because they would, I mean, obviously they didn't really share a line in Winnipeg, but they did play a little bit together. Um, but minus nine on the year for Dubois so far. Line A, let's talk about him too, because he's one that seems to live rent free, right? Mm-hmm. 174 games played in Columbus, 64 goals. That's, you know, he would almost get close to that in Winnipeg because everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the the next great thing. I mean, obviously, number two draft pick, but uh, 74 assists for a total of 138 points. So less than a point per game player. But, you know, talking about where his expectations were in Winnipeg, I'd say he's starting to flop. And then you look at the plus minus and it's a, a very modest minus 58. Uh, so, I mean, obviously doesn't have the greatest team around him either. So there's that Jack Roslovic. No, he wasn't the greatest goal scorer. Wasn't the, the highest point getter, but nonetheless, 226 games played for his hometown team, 47 goals, 85 assists for a total of 132 points and a plus minus of minus 32. Would you say that they're yeah. flops after they left? I would say it's a classic case of the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and you could tell, you could, and Dubois made it clear earlier this year that he wasn't going to sign an extension. He had one year left. So Winnipeg had no choice but to trade him or mm-hmm. say, to heck with it. We're going to take one more shot at this the way we're constructed in a way that wasn't working to begin with so the trade was the obvious solution there and you could just and you could just see that what they got back is far superior to what they gave up <laughs> yes very much so and i think uh velarde has pretty much solidified himself as a fan favorite at this point oh and, yeah uh, and he came back at a great time too yeah absolutely and you know going back to the win streak too we're doing all this without Kyle Connor, like in years past, if we were missing 
one piece. If we were missing Shifley, I mean, we were always missing Ehlers. Guy was made of glass for a little while. He's doing okay. But um, if we were missing just one piece to that puzzle, it seemed like the wheels would fall off or, you know, the plane would go down, so to speak. Uh, but it doesn't seem like that. And it only seems like now when someone goes down, the next person's not only stepping up, but they're showing out. You know, this is got to be, you know, the word depth is thrown out there all the time for the Jets, but there has got to be something to that because this team, you know, someone goes down, like I said, next man steps up and never skip a beat. Yeah, they they seem to have a knack right now of finding whatever it is they need, whatever they're lacking, they find a piece that they already have in hand and go up oh, there and it fits just perfectly. Uh, and it was, gosh, it wasn't even a week between the Connor injury and Velarde coming back. So mm-hmm. it was excellent timing there. But they also have the depth to be able to go, okay, well, if that wouldn't have worked, we could try something else too. They don't seem to have found a perfect spot for EFLO yet, but he seems to be able to, to function decently wherever he goes. It's just that we haven't found that perfect match yet for him. Right. He's very competent for sure. Um, and another guy that, you know, remember when we had Mikey Acemont and everyone was like really upset that, that he left. And then we bring in Vladislav Nemesnikov and it's like, there was a, a lot of question marks uh, about that, but I mean, not that he's like, you know, burning the barn at every corner, but I think that he was a pretty solid addition too. not, not even to mention a guy like Nino Niederreiter, who that guy, I, I not only love what he's bringing to the, the ice, but the fact that he is kind of changing that culture because players going to Winnipeg, it's like, oh man, I'm going to Winnipeg. Like there, there's always that sort of negativity until you play there. And then, you know, you go somewhere else, like Dubois, for example, wanted to go to LA and enjoy the sunshine and, only see what's going on with that but he had been talking it up how it's a hockey city treated very well and it's not a lack of wi-fi and that it just gets really cold there's more to the city than that and you and i might not live there but we've been there enough to know that nino is definitely on to something he sure is uh we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't agree with that i'm sure oh absolutely and uh i mean it's just Everybody seems to get better every game and our stars are doing great, but it's also those fourth liners. And I want to say that Adam Lowry has like, ever since he kind of took the seat on this, uh, is this team has just fallen right into place. And like I said before about Blake Wheeler, this is not a knock at him, but maybe what they just needed was that change. Same with Paul Maurice, you know, when he was here, not a bad coach, but bonus gave that cultural change too. And right. that I and think it's not, it's not like Paul Maurice didn't show that he was a good coach last year either. So sometimes it's addition by subtraction, just making it change to to clear the air, start something fresh. Cause that mm-hmm. third line, you see that third line, choice. yeah, that third line, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton. Is why Iafalo, in my mind, hasn't found a perfect spot because he might fit in very well with that group, but you're not breaking that group up for anything right now, are you? 
Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was really excited to see Appleton coming back after, uh, you know, his short little tenure in Seattle, but uh, no hard feelings with that being left unprotected. And, you know, also got to show love to Mason Appleton being a fellow Wisconsinite too. He's just from the other side of the state, but uh, I'm not necessarily a Packer fan. So I'll, I'll let you give the GPG there, Joe. Yeah. 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 That's, that's also going rather well for us. And, I think the funniest thing in my mind with Appleton being from Wisconsin is that he's from Green Bay, which is next door to Appleton. Yeah, right. (laughs) And they had this, um, I forget what game it was before. It it might have been one of their Sunday games because they did their uh, intros like, you know, Sunday night football uh, intros too. Uh, But they were saying like where they're from and, the best thing was, and you and I both know what Wisconsin accents are like, and hearing Mason Appleton say his name, it was Mason Appleton, Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like, and if yeah, you he's don't know what, And if you don't know what we mean, go go look up Charlie Barron's and you'll know. <laughs> yes. Oh, Charlie Barron's, what a guy. Have, I actually saw him live at the uh, State Fair last year. Did you see him? I haven't yet, no, no. Gosh, his routine is. Um, so I think funny. we we had we had something going on that day. Unfortunately, uh, actually, sure. from from where I live, I can hear the state fair. But oh wow, that night that night we were just too far away, or we were well, well, at least you're right by the Liney Lodge. <laughs> yeah, it's a mile, like a little bit more than a mile, but it's a mile. Unfortunately, it's uphill going back, so I have to be careful. Yeah. Ugh. Shout out to Line and Kugels, though, my favorite beer. And, you know, I uh, always love going to the Liney Lodge. I feel like we've uh, taken a little bit of a tangent, but that's what happens. That's what podcasts are for. Exactly. We're at the cruising altitude, so we're just going to cruise right through it, talk about Charlie Barron's Line and Kugels, gave a little bit of a spiel about the Packers with the GPG that I refuse to say because I'm not a Packers fan. It's okay. At least you're not a Vikings or a Bears fan. That's something. very true. Yeah, I'm a Steelers yeah. fan. Well, to put that up. While we're while we're on that tangent, it really ha- it, I really like looking at the standings right now and seeing Chicago, Minnesota, and St. Louis all out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is like that nice. makes my little Wisconsin heart beat uh, just an extra <laughs> beat faster. I tell you what, the start of the year, the Wild were a dumpster fire. What happened with like the high expectations that they had? What what gives? Like what they just go right? They're just the same team that they've always been. They're just they're just the the Minnesota team, but uh, and then obviously, I mean, Bedard is the Hellcat outside the trap house. Like, mm. and now that he's you know out for a few weeks, which I will uh, I will you know be direct here. What are your thoughts? Was that a clean hit? Yeah, it was a hockey hit. It might have been a little high, but when you're going at that speed and things are happening like that, it's also not one that I would be sitting there going, throw the guy out of the league for. So, yeah. One of those things where you play a collision sport, collisions happen. Exactly. And, you know, not to defend anything because you don't want to see anyone, especially a stud that's, you know, as young as he is, too. You don't want to see anyone like that go down. Uh, so this is not really to to knock him or anything 
but he did have his head down. If you were, uh, you know, paying attention, like paying really close attention, he had his head down going through the neutral zone, picked it up at the last minute, and then of course got run over. I we'll bet, say that he right. couldn't avoid it. Yeah, and that just goes to show, you know, keep your head up. And you're taught that from the very beginning. Oh yeah, you know, high school hockey, peewee hockey teaches you that. Uh, so, you know, of course there's moments where, you know, you're trying to get through the neutral zone. You got to stick handle your way through a phone booth. Basically, sometimes you want to try, like the tendency is to want to look down at the puck, but man, oh man, when you got someone barreling down on you, that, that size, and you are the size that you are. Yeah. Who's going to win that one? Not you. Exactly. Now, Switching gears a little bit, we talked uh, quite a bit about the Jets, but let's kind of expand this a little now and uh, talk about the NHL and as a whole. Cutter Gauthier. Now, there's a lot of rumors, X formerly known as Twitter, first thing that came up, and rightfully so in a way, was, oh, this has got to do with John Tortorella. Like, there's no way it can't do anything with him or have anything to deal with him. Uh, but... Now, Elliot Friedman reports that Tortorella was not the reason. And truth be told, the, the real reason may not necessarily be out there yet, but there's that talk about apparently after Boston College's season ended last year, he was, or Gautier was basically told that, hey, not yet. We can't really start you on your entry-level contract. Uh, just there's there's too many irons in the stove, so to speak. And that's apparently where that rift started. Not to th start any new rumors or anything. That, of course, is uh, is out there. But that was also a report by Elliot Friedman. And, uh, you know, I, I don't always trust reports from him, but I would say that he's at least a, a much better source than Joe Schmo on X. Yeah, I resemble that remark. Yes, Um uh, yeah, it just, it, it, and then from the other reporting I've been seeing is that it, it was probably about May when Boston, or a little bit after um, Boston College's season would have ended probably March, is my guess, if, um, or April. I don't know. I, I've lost touch with college hockey, unfortunately, the last few years. Uh, but it's a St. Cloud State alum that hurts. <laughs> I, I've got a Wisconsin Badgers jersey up there with the WCHA logo on it, and I'll never part with it because the Big Ten logo is just on a, on a Badger hockey jersey. is just ugly. Sure. So I miss yeah. that. That's kind of why I've lost some touch with it. But it, it, it seems like, though, ever since about May, he just said, nope. Yeah. You, yeah I'm not coming. So don't even – and, and cut communications and we're how many months later now what seven eight months and finally yeah and and finally really, i mean i think their draft rights would have expired by in june so they had to do something. yeah that's true too and i mean philly wanted him as a part of their future too uh and that just it makes you wonder what would have happened if they would have started his entry-level contract then yeah, it might have been a cap issue if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's what it was because they had a lot of they had some guys that they had to. Uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head. I should have wrote it down, but um, yeah, there were several that, uh, and they didn't do the LTIR that Tampa and 
Vegas are known for. Um, but it seems uh, to work for them. Yeah, it works all right. It's it's underhanded, but it's not illegal, so it it works. Now, Gautier does have a lot of upside too, so I think Anaheim's gonna really like what they get out of this. Just one gold for Team USA. You know, go Americans. Sorry, Shh, sure. I don't think we, we want to say that on a Winnipeg podcast. <laughs> I was just about to say, shout out to our Canadian viewers. That one, they a bunch of people probably turned this one off already. Uh, yeah, yeah, that there went there went half our audience. Yep, if not, not bad. At least the <laughs> folks that are in Wisconsin are still watching. <laughs> There's other Jets fans in the Badger State. You know that. There's there have to be a few of them. There have to be a few of them. I mean, there's several in Chippewa Falls. I mean, I know I know of the two of us. I think you may have mentioned that you bumped into another. So, yeah, although yeah, I did yeah, see a was. really, I did see a really crabby Colorado Avalanche fan at a festival last week. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's probably a few more of those. And yes, I'll say that the the crabby ones too. But um, yeah, it was at uh, Bridge Street Brew in downtown Chippewa, and uh, there was someone there with uh, just a Jets ball cap on. And uh, yes, we're talking Winnipeg, not New York Jets. But um, yeah, I was like, wow, there's more than one. And then, of course, we ran into each other. And now there's there's at least three. three. So maybe there's more in Chippewa Falls, let alone Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's actually a cultural fit. I mean, if you don't if you don't like teams from Chicago, Minnesota, or St. Louis – you get a natural rooting interest against them. They're not that mm-hmm. far away. You can catch games in those cities or go to Winnipeg, and it's still manageable in a day uh, day trip. So yeah, it's it's a good fit. It is. It's an easy show. I mean, I just went there last month, and uh, this is a shout out to all the boys that I met on this last trip that uh, are watching right now. There's funny story about that. So I, you know, I, I go there and. I had a buddy that I was going to link up with and ended up not being able to, to show up. So I was like, all right, well, you know, those that are, are Winnipeg viewers, obviously no shark club. Uh, so I go into to shark club. I'm just going in by myself, you know, have a couple beers, have a good time. And anyways, there, there was a gentleman that was uh, good old Ben was, was standing there and he had this like red turtleneck and green sweater and had this like Christmassy look because the game was, you know, like a week or two before Christmas. And anyways, you know, he, he has all these bar stools, uh, you know, turned up or whatever. And I was like, oh, anybody sitting here is like, yeah, a few of my buddies, but they're not coming uh, for a little bit. So I was like, all right. And uh, he was like, you can sit there if you want. So we're just like BS and and uh, and all that good stuff. And then what another guy comes and it's one of his buddies. And he's like, what is the Santa's Delph? looks at uh, looks at the, the sweater and everything <laughs> and i just start busting out laughing and then the other guys show up and then they're just like they invite me over to the table at shark club and then we all just sit together at the game go out for some beers afterwards and ended up doing a kijiji deal the next day and uh it was just it was a great time so again shout out to all the boys in the uh, channel marker chat yeah, it's always it's always fun to meet new friends on your travels. That's for sure. I, I I feel like every time I go up, I meet somebody new. So, oh yeah, it's always it's always a blast. 
And that's, uh, that's the thing too. I mean, friendly Manitoba, they, they take that to a whole new level. And, uh, you know, I, I never had an issue with anyone that I just, you know, ran into or whatever, always some, uh, some great people that I run into. But now we talked about Gautier, but we didn't talk about who's going to Philly. So Jamie Drysdale, would you say that he has an upside? Cause I would yeah. have to say yes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they, they didn't give away Gochi for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, they get the second round pick in 2025, too. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to look at his stats because I was like, he's he's actually a pretty good name that's going uh, going to Philly. So he's got 123 games played. Eight goals. He's a defenseman, okay? So, like, eight goals, that doesn't seem impressive at face value. 37 assists, most of those coming in one season. And all things considered, the team that he's on, of course, is minus 43. You know, let's yeah. let's just take that out of consideration. If he was with a much better team, I would have a feeling that that would be a lot closer to even. But he also has almost 20 – he almost has a full period of time on the ice. 1949 is what he averages uh, per game. So, you know, no, he's a great, that uh, screams second line defenseman at me right away. And he's what, 21? 21, 22, something like that. He's a young yeah. guy. So, so you got room to grow there. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, Tortorella is a no nonsense sort of guy. I think that if he gets the right coaching, of course, I think that he can work his way up and become one of those, uh, you know, top pairing defensemen. I yeah. think he's got plenty, nowhere to go. Plenty of time for it. You know, Tortorella is a good hockey coach. Personality-wise, mm-hmm. he might rub some, some the wrong way, but he's here because he has a track record of winning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think Philly was a, a team that uh, surprised me out the gate, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm anxious to see what he does in the coming years and who they take with that second-round pick. So, And they could win yeah. that trade – they could win that trade outright just without with the second round pick never playing a game. Yeah, that's on the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, going back to the Dubois trade, like at face value, when we first made that trade, did it really look like we won? I don't know. You know, but now hindsight, we're halfway through the season, just about. Does it look like we won the trade? Absolutely. You know. So, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a fun one to see. Now, the last bit of our uh, NHL news before dipping into a little bit of Bombers news is obviously William Nylander's extension. Was I'll just ask you this before I go into figures: Is he overpaid at uh, ninety-two million for eight years? Considering the team he is on considering how much they've already invested in forwards, I'm not going to tell any professional athletes that they are overpaid because it's unfair. Uh, Does it make a lot of sense for the Toronto Maple Leafs cap? I don't think so. But good for him Uh, for getting the money. Yeah, honestly, good for him. Uh, Now, between four of their forwards, they are spending almost half of their cap between Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, $40 million next year against the cap 
for four. Yeah, Yikes. and don't they have goaltending issues? Don't they have depth issues? Yeah, they've they've got a lot, of, which is probably why. And then they invested, they, and then they invested in a guy that was having a career year. Mm-hmm. So now this is just gonna for years to come. Now this is just gonna be those disappointing first round exits because you can't have the entire team weigh on four guys. Your goaltending is gonna go south. Your depth that doesn't exist is going to go south. It's it screams first round exit because you and know they can carry. And if you're so making the playoffs every year and losing in the first round, your first round draft picks aren't going to be worth a lot either. Exactly. So they're going to so spin just... the wheel for a while. Now, mind you, they are wildly entertaining to watch because you never know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they've, there's no deny the the four guys that they have there. No denying their talent. Like they are an incredible core of guys to work around. But when you have a, a cap like that, like you said, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, this is the interesting part. Now, this is going to seem like a very unfair comparison uh, at first. We're talking Nylander compared to Connor McDavid. We're going to look at their contracts, and then we'll look at their stats. And then I'll ask you again if you think he's worth as much, you know, just, just for the sake of argument. So Nylander's AAV... 11.5 mil. McDavid's 12.5 mil. So he does make a million more. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the stats. So Nylander has 559 games played to McDavid's 604. So as far as these stats are concerned, maybe take them with a grain of salt because uh, McDavid does have almost, what does he have, uh, 50-some games on uh, Nylander, right? Oh, of course. So Nylander has 198 goals. That's that's good. You know, I'm not not saying that. McDavid has 318. Uh, Nylander has 289 assists. That's really good. That's an assist every two games, right? McDavid has 587. Uh, yeah. And, and as far as points, it's not even close. 487. For Nylander to McDavid's 905. As far as uh, plus minus and Toronto, high scoring team. I mean, they've got they've got the couple of forwards plus 29 and to McDavid's plus 124. And, and can I ask I'm on you, ice. And can, I, and can I put it this way too? Sure. You got one superstar defenseman. Are you throwing that superstar defenseman at Nylander like you would at McDavid? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that also makes a lot of sense too. So that's a good thing to factor in. Now, time on the ice, McDavid actually has over a period on average twenty-one forty-three is what he averages to Nylander's seventeen twenty-two. So now with only a million dollar difference between the two in terms of their AAV, do you think that Toronto maybe invested a little too much? Maybe we won't say overpaid for Nylander, because like you said, you'll never tell an athlete that they're overpaid. But do you think that Toronto invested too much? I would say that's a safe bet to make, yes. Especially yeah. considering where they where else. Now, if he was the guy or maybe even 
a one-two punch, sure, that makes a lot of sense. Maintain some of your offensive skill players. Mm-hmm. When you have four guys and you only have three forward positions uh, on your top line, I don't see how paying four of them makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and like I said a couple times, that that is just going to lead to those first-round exits because they'll be able to carry the team up to a point. I mean, you know, they always say you can't outshoot bad goaltending. To an extent you can, but it'll catch up with you, you know, and Toronto knows that all too well. Um, you catch a hot goal in the playoffs and you're done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's just that's just that's going to happen regardless. But when yeah. you're weak on the back end because you've invested everything in your forwards, when you're when you're in those situations, if your forwards aren't outscoring the other guys, forget it. It almost and now you're asking me- four guys to outscore three other three lines from the other team. Yeah, and it almost reminds me of. Remember when our blue line kind of after that deep run where we uh, got bounced by Vegas, blue line kind of went all over the place. Uh, and then we were like, well, we still got these forward. We, we still got the really good goal scoring forwards. And it was just like kind of had that. We're just going to outshoot bad defense. And we have Connor Hellebuck. So we're good. That didn't pan out so well, even with no. a fantastic. Holy, that, like I said before, is always in the Vesna conversation. That's still going to catch up with you if you don't have good blue liners. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the last five years are a prime example of that. They just kind of found a morass of mediocrity and just stuck there and couldn't figure out a way out until this past offseason. They changed everything up, and they're back up and running. Yep, and... uh Speaking of offseason now, switching gears a little bit from the Jets to the Bombers, Joe, I know that there's a couple things that uh, you wanted to talk about Bombers-wise because obviously the offseason. So what do we got? Yeah, just real quick wanted to touch on the team decided to make Jordan Younger their defensive coordinator, and Richie Hall is going to stay with the staff but in an as-yet-undefined role. Um, I remember when Richie Hall first started, around, I want to say it was 2015, 2016. 20, 20, oh, I thought it was 2014. Maybe 2015, probably. Yeah, because it, it was, I, I'm blanking on the name, but 2014, no. It was, he wasn't there yet. Sure. Um, yeah, 2015, 2016, everybody was hammering on, uh, on him because that's what fan bases do to defensive coordinators because they don't quite grasp what's going on. Hall liked to play a lot of deep zone defenses. Turns out, at least from what I'm gathering, as the team continued to add pieces and add talent, Hall was able to shift off of that into more of a hybrid and then eventually into what what we got going on now. Um, but he had to play the deep zone early on because the talent just wasn't there. But he was show, but he showed he was his ability to adjust and plan excellent defenses for the last five, six seasons because he's had the talent and, the, and ability. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully younger got to pick up on some of that. He, he's becoming a hot name in coaching circles. So I believe the bombers wanted to keep him in house because Richie Hall is getting to the point where he may be thinking about retirement in the, in the upcoming future. Uh, one player that inadvertently announced his retirement was Mike Miller. Uh, he was hurt all last season. 
and took the special teams coordinator role that uh, the Bombers decided not to bring Paul Boudreaux back on and was asked about his retirement and just said, I didn't even realize I was retiring until you brought it up. <laughs> that is but, the most like impromptu sort of retirement announcement. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's 35 or 34, 35 years old. He's definitely in the range of a player that would be calling it quits. At the same time, it was, well, he's been, he's one of the best special teamers in CFL history. Let's see if that translates to coaching. I would have to say it worked for Mike O'Shea. Let's see if it works for Mike Miller too. Now, as far as uh, some of these changes that have occurred, what, what other changes do you think they need to finally overcome that hurdle? Because it seems like now the past two years, they've made it to the dance but forgot their shoes. And we don't want the Bombers to become who the Buffalo Bills were when they made it four years in a row and lost all four of them. I don't want to see the Bombers go in this direction. So what changes do you think they need to make? I think what they need to do is they need to make the Grey Cup be only 59 minutes long. That would solve all of our problems. (laughs) Uh, More seriously, though, it's just, It feels like they catch teams when they're hot in the Grey Cup. Uh, Toronto got hot in the playoffs last year. Montreal got hot from mid-season and just kept it going. And the Bombers are playing are always playing at a at a, at a certain level. They usually don't have a lot of fluctuation ups and downs. They just happen to catch teams that are giving that are playing their best games right when right when it matters the most. And they're coming up only this much short. I mean, we're talking about a play or two, and they're we could be talking about four yeah. in a row. But and you I don't, don't I, go ahead. I, 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 go ahead. I was going to say you don't want to say that they're not experienced. You know, they've they've got an experienced team for sure. It's just finishing. That that seems that was the issue the last two years, and you know, I don't think their window is closing by any means. I think they still have plenty of time left. Uh, but they just need to learn to put the game away, the big game away, you know? Yeah, and they had opportunities to do that too. Uh, Adam Big Hill was basically playing out one leg, so that didn't help. Having, That's having also him, true. Having him try to go out there with uh, without being able to really physically do it, it was just so hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, I would say, though, I would say, though, uh, I could see the team keeping this core together through 2025 because the great cups in Winnipeg in 2025. Mm-hmm. I could see that being oh, kind of a last, it could be a last dance for guys like Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill. Uh, I don't even know if Stanley Brand or Jamarca Hardrick will make it that far. Um, Jackson Jeff Coates also getting up there and has dealing with injuries. And Zach Claris isn't exactly young either. So I could see that group. If if we don't lose one or two over the over this offseason or the next, just to calling it quits, I could see that whole group leaping on mass afterward afterwards. So it'd be interesting to see. Okay, do and maybe a few of them stick around. Maybe Zach plays till he's forty for all we know. But <laughs> the whole group won't be the same in twenty twenty six. I guarantee that you're going to lose at least half of those players by then. Stanley Bryant for sure because he's almost forty at this point. Yeah, but it's it's just going to be incumbent on Kyle Walters, Ted Gavea, and Danny McManus to go find the next players in those spots. And if I had to trust any staff in the CFL to be able to do that, that's a staff I trust. I would have to agree with that. Yeah, 
I think, uh, like I said, that would be incredible if they kept the team together and they made another run in in Winnipeg for the Grey Cup. I mean, that's just – you end up with a dub there and then everyone can just ride off into the sunset. And, that would be the Hollywood ending, yes. Yeah. You know, you, you don't – and maybe I'm saying this as a Steelers fan, but it was kind of like Super Bowl Forty when Jerome Bettis played in his hometown – Won the Super Bowl, rode off into the sunset. Park the bus right then. Yeah, there you go. Park the bus. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. Now, uh, I, just the, the only other thing I've seen coming across today is it, um, it sounds like Drew Brown is going to test free agency and look for a starting job, which we all expected. He's yeah. been a fantastic backup the past few years and has won and played well uh, in starts he's had to make. Uh, so. I could see him going to uh, going to a place like Ottawa, possibly, or uh, somebody else might surprise me. But I really kind of feel like he's heading to Ottawa if, if I had to make a guess. But uh, okay. just that's another another um, another task for uh, Ted, Danny, and Kyle to figure out who's our backup next year. Yep, and you know we'll have to look at free agency too, or even the trade market, but or or drafting. We go. Or we go, or, or we go ask our Birmingham friends, "Hey, who's left from <laughs> uh, the whole consolidation? Who needs it? Who needs a backup job?" <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice too. So, talking about parking the bus, now we're going to talk about landing the plane. So, this is our landing segment, and uh, just kind of that fun segment. And Joel, I'll have you start this, and then I'll kind of uh, finish off with with my story. But um, how? You also live in Wisconsin, Chippewa Falls. How did you become a Winnipeg fan? Yeah, I even grew. I even grew up here, so I've I've been here minus a decade in Madison, in the Madison, Wisconsin area, um, mid twenties to mid thirties. I've been here my whole life. Um, yeah, it just it started with the I would say with the U.S. expansion in the nineties, where you'd start seeing the CFL on US TV. They'd be on ESPN2 a lot. That ESPN2 didn't have a lot of programming, so they picked up whatever they could, and it, it was the CFL left right, left and right in July, August, even into September sometimes. Uh, got to see things like Flutie playing for the Stampeders. Got to see a fantastic set of um, East-West finals in 94 that really kind of hooked me on the whole game. And then after the expansion ended, after I got to see the team that I wanted to see win a great cup in 95 win, because I like Baltimore's colors and nothing else. I mean, I'm not going to claim to be a football savant at the age of 12. It was just, Hey, look, I like their colors. They're my team. You miss them. And you just miss, I missed the game. I, I've been fun. And I was also a Packer fan growing up pretty much from the age of five. When I was a teenager, my walls were littered with pack with Packer Report uh, pictures and the posters inside. So it's like, well, uh, uh, the Packers are still doing well. I still miss the CFL game. Got on a message board, met a friend. He invited me up to Winnipeg over the course, you know, a couple of years out into knowing him and playing fantasy football. Bites me up to go see Labor Day in Regina. But he says, hey, by the way, if you show up wearing green, I'm going to make you sleep in the dumpster. I wasn't <laughs> sure if he was being, if he was telling the truth or not. I decided not to risk it. And now I know you definitely would have made me. So I'm glad I picked the blue side. 
Got to see three three Labor Day games in a row, 06 through 08. Even got up to see the 06 Grey Cup because it was in Winnipeg. That was a fantastic experience, especially for somebody that knew absolutely nothing about what they were talking about. So that was great. <laughs> I would say, and then and then life happens, got married, spent some, you know, didn't travel to Canada for a few years. But then in 2014, all of a sudden ESPN's carrying every game on the ESPN three at that point. I have an iPad that comes in clear, better than my laptop connecting to the TV. I look junky and crappy, so I'd only watch a few games a year until then. All of a sudden, my iPad's coming in clear. It's like, okay, I think I'm in. 2015, <laughs> 2015 comes and goes. At the very end of it, I'm invited to start a podcast called the Rouge, White, and Blue Podcast that is still going. So if you're looking for your CFL fix from Americans, that's a, that's out there and available. I don't think we've recorded since Red or Great Cup because I've been working on this. Right. This has been in the works. And uh, kind of funny that you you bring up like going to Regina wearing green. I was going to visit uh, Scooter from the Elks Call, or sorry, the Elks Call podcast, Elks Heard Page. And uh, anyways, so I was living at the time in Minnesota and was driving up, stayed the night in Regina and the hotel, or excuse me, the restaurant that was right next to the hotel went to grab breakfast and I saw nothing but bomber stuff. And I was blown away. I was like, I thought I was in Saskatchewan, not Winnipeg. And it was a, a bombers themed restaurant. The owners were from Winnipeg, but uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. I did not expect to see that. I haven't actually bumped into that place. You'll have to tell me if you remember what that place was at some other, at some point. I could maybe look on in my Expedia history from when I booked that hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's nothing urgent. It's just, it'd be nice to know for if I ever do get back up there again. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, well, I'm not, I, I live in Wisconsin now. I've lived here for a little over two years, but kind of lived all over from Pennsylvania to North Dakota to Minnesota, Wisconsin, everywhere. And when I was real little, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania and uh, I just, I loved planes, right? I just, I had this fixation with planes and I, my dad, huge hockey fan. And uh, it was uh, the penguins were, were playing the jets or, or something. And I was like, Ooh, jets, like blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's a plane. And all of a sudden I just, I love that team and, blink and they went away right i was still very little and then i just i tried about the same teams. time too yeah and it was like i had a team i i pseudo rooted for the capitals for a little while because i liked Ovi. um and then you know 2011 rolls around and nhl draft you hear the Winnipeg Jets select Mark Shifley, and I went nuts. I was like, I knew that it was coming, that the the name was going to be brought back. But I was like, oh, you know, I, I got to start rooting for these guys again. And then the Bombers just kind of came with the territory. Yep. So that's any, the any, yep. Yep. The, the, every, it just feels like the Bombers are held a little bit closer to the hearts of the community at least those that follow football than the hockey team is. 
And I just mm-hmm. think it's because of the way they've been run the last 10 years. Yeah. I just think they, they tapped into, they tapped into that latent, like it, it's always been there. The bombers were historically better than they had, than they were for like the 10 years before Wade Miller showed up, but he tapped into it and found, found the right combination. Like we were even talking about earlier chemistry. It's just, he found what worked in the front office and that translated onto the field eventually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, say 2015. 2015 was not all that much fun to watch. It was for uh, the Elks herd. Yes. <laughs> and then ever since then, it hasn't been as much fun for him. Yeah, it's been more fun for us. That's for sure. Yes, it has. All right. Well, I think it's about time that uh, the Winnipeg Terminal is clear for landing. This is for the dub. Go Jets, go.